0: welcome to our fifth episode of Lady Plays. I'm Cato Phelan. And I'm Lindy Rosario.
1: And we're your lady producers who will be bringing you a new play written by a female playwright every
0: episode. This month's episode is a special holiday episode and brings you two short plays by Vivian Lermond, Say Cheese and White Christmas. Both explore themes of family, loneliness, and human connection in the context of the holiday season. Say Cheese features two characters, Lena, played by Jennifer Doerr White, and Frankie, played by Arthur Harold. White Christmas is a one-woman play featuring Kate. Be sure to stick around after the play for an in-depth interview about
1: both plays with our playwright, Vivian. Say Cheese.
0: A small accent table holding a wine bottle and a tray of glasses is positioned between two dining room-style chairs. A plant stand is set downstage, topped off with a small artificial tree. Lena sits, sipping a glass of wine, wearing a robe and fuzzy bedroom slippers. She wears several hair rollers and her reading glasses on top of her head.
2: My son Rico. He moved to the Tinseltown years ago, thinking he could get himself a big job in the movies. Okay, okay. So maybe I'm part to blame. I was the one who put him in the acting classes at the YMCA to help him come out of his shell. After the performances, always i tell him, Rico, you done good. That was love talking. When you're a mother, you lie a little. I never thought laying on the praise would light a thespian fire. Thespian. That's the theater talk for being an actor. So Rico, he couldn't come home for the holidays. Again. Too busy, he tells me. The liar. He's broke and couldn't get a cheap seat into LaGuardia and too proud to ask me to foot the bill. Rico's ex-girlfriend Cynthia sends me an email from time to time. Nice girl, that Cynthia. Pretty. A Nebraska Corn Festival queen and a Methodist. God help her. Things didn't work out between Rico and Cynthia. I got a beautiful Christmas card from her last week wishing me happy holidays and all good for the new year. She also slipped in. The last she heard, Rico was working at the Taco Bell on Sunset Boulevard. My son, the actor. He hasn't been home in the 15 years since he left and... She moves to the door. Oh, mother of God, who is it?
0: Uh,
3: Frankie Castellano, your new neighbor in A4. Since when? Last Tuesday. Hey, I got a package for you. I didn't want to leave it in the foyer. It's,
0: uh, stamp perishable. Just a minute. She does a quick job yanking out rollers, does a fast fluff with her hair, opens the door. Frankie stands holding a package.
2: Thank you. It was thoughtful. People, they're not so thoughtful no more.
0: He hands off the package and follows her into the apartment. She places the box by the little tree.
2: I know what's in there. Oh? It's cheese. From my son. It's his idea of a Christmas present for his mother. Nasty orange cheese that comes in squeeze tubes with metal clips on top, with salty sausages and horrible strawberry candles. Uh, Maybe it's all the youngster can afford. Youngster? He just turned 40, an out of work actor making burritos at the Taco Bell. (laughs) Oh,
3: no, no, Uh, please. Guys, sometimes they don't know what a woman wants.
2: I want my son to come home for Christmas. I'm all alone.
3: Well, no. What? I ain't invited company, but I'm here. Sorry. It's good to get things off your chest, especially to a stranger,
2: since they ain't heard it before. I'm not being a good neighbor. Would you join me in a glass of wine? I got a nice Malbec open. Sure. That's good.
3: With a hint of the berry. A soft finish.
2: And just $8.49 a bottle on sale this week at Topalo's over on Grant.
3: You got a bargain. This wine would be good with the smoked Gouda. Or blue cheese. Asiago. Or, or provolone with the prosciutto and the melon. You gotta have a good cheese with the good wine.
2: Their eyes travel to the cheese box. You're a man who knows something about parent. I know what I like. Lena, you should open the box. Why bother? Ain't no good cheese in there. It's the same gift set every year. Number nine in the Happy Cheese Factory holiday catalog.
3: It ain't about the cheese. It's Christmas. It's about the thought. Oh, all right.
2: She retrieves the box, opens it. There's no cheese. Just a card in another box.
3: So read the card.
2: Lena fumbles with her pockets. I gotta find my glasses.
3: They're uh, on your head.
0: She puts on her specs, reads, starts to cry. Oh,
2: it's Beautiful what Rico says to me. He says, Dear Mom, I know I haven't been the best son, but starting this Christmas I want to make it up to you.
3: Yeah, see the boy, has got a good heart.
2: <laughs> Those acting lessons you bought for me are finally paying off. I landed a role on One Life to Live and signed for 13 episodes. Are you kidding me?
3: The soaps, that's uh, the big
2: time. I know, right? I play a prodigal son kind of guy who re-enters his mother's world after being gone a lot of years. It got me thinking. He's thinking how he's
3: going to make things right.
2: Hope you like your present. Love, Rico. Oh, P.S. I'll be home for New Year's. Will you be my date?
0: She sniffles, dabs her eyes.
3: Come on, no tears.
0: Open the present. Lena opens the box, gasps. (gasps)
2: Ah, <gasps> So, what? Oh my God, it's beautiful. It says 14 karat gold on the box. A
3: good gift for a mother with a heart of gold. Here, I'll put it on for you.
0: He attaches the clasp.
2: Imagine, one life to live. Thank you. Uh, for what? Bringing the box over. You made my Christmas Eve so special for me.
3: Yeah? So, uh, maybe now you get out of the robe and those funny feats and come by after. I'm by myself. You're by yourself. Nobody should be alone Christmas Eve. We have a nice antipasto, some chianti, and ravioli with the meat sauce. I, we celebrate your news.
2: Yeah. Celebrate. I'd like that. So,
3: uh, give me an hour? Uh, The sauce. I got it defrosted in the microwave.
0: Sure. He moves to exit. She walks him to the door.
2: And Lena, I got some of the good provolone to go with the Chianti. He exits. Frankie, what a nice new neighbor. She fingers her
0: new locket.
2: Enrico, he made me proud. The rest of the world out there can have a miracle on 34th. Tonight... I got so much better a Christmas miracle right here on Mulberry
4: Street. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas.
0: Lights out. White Christmas. A living room. Cassie enters, carrying a tangled set of Christmas lights. She sits in a chair, showing her frustration with trying to unravel them. She holds up the mess, addresses the audience.
1: This is my father-in-law's handiwork. He thought he'd be helpful and take down the Christmas tree lights. She tosses the lights aside. When they say you marry a family, they're not lying. For better or for worse, that marriage vow disclaimer rolls off spousal tongues without giving that pledge of troth a thought. (laughs) Love is blind when you're in your 20s, isn't it? It's all about sex, passion, and believing in those childhood fables of living happily ever after. You don't think about the long haul through the realm of reality. like. Living through the Christmas holidays with the tribe of relatives you inherited. <laughs> An offshoot of those wedding vows and a real challenge to any couple's connubial bliss. I love my husband. Jake is a great guy. Sensible, sensitive, and the salt of the earth. But his family? Those people are a reality show waiting to happen. <laughs> I'm not saying my family doesn't have its own cast of quirky characters, but we operate on the lower level of dysfunction. The white family can claim the penthouse suite! I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Not. Only in my nightmares. When it comes to holidays, my husband and I have gotten pretty good over the years at the art of compromise. One year we do Christmas with my clan, The next year, a white Christmas. The holiday from hell that can drive you to drink or find victory in Valium. It's just one day, Cassie. We can do anything for just one day, my husband says by way of encouragement. It was a white Christmas this year at our house. A wine-and-dine experience that rivaled Dante's journey through the third circle of hell. Gluttony. You do the math. Eight people, 22-pound turkey with all the trimmings, a 15-pound honey-baked ham, 10 pounds of mashed potatoes, sweet potato casserole, three vegetables, and six pies. It was Jake's idea this year to tell his family they needed to share some of the feasting responsibilities. He asked them to bring the rolls, appetizers, and wine. It was a great idea, in theory. In reality, it was a disaster. Rolls, his Aunt Lucy teamed up with Granny White and brought four packages of hamburger buns. And I don't consider pork rinds, peanuts, and assorted chips with dip high-end hors d'oeuvres suitable for a Christmas family get-together. Wine? Oh, yes. Oh, Uncle Bart and Jake's dad both showed up with a gallon of box wine. My sister-in-law, Jenny, who doesn't like drinking that fancy stuff, amped up the booze booty with a case of Budweiser. When we all sat down at the table, the place settings looked beautiful. What was I thinking? Forget the silverware, I should have just put out garden trowels so they could shovel in their food faster. The Whites aren't much for conversation when they're tackling a food spread, slurping sounds and one-syllable acknowledgments like DAMN or GOOD cut through the clatter of cutlery punctuated by an occasional Budweiser beer burp from Jenny. Nobody talked until the last of the casserole dishes were scraped clean. The White family takes the waste-not-want-not philosophy to a whole new level. Finally, everyone pushes off from the table and heads to the great room to polish off the remnant of the box wine and dig into the deep dish pies. I'll put the coffee on, Jake offers, as I start to clear the table. Leave that, Uncle Bart bellows as he wraps his bear-sized arms around me and propels me to the new gathering place. Of course, the men find their own conversation nook, leaving the women to create the White Women Whining Cluster, a collective of complainers maximizing their opportunity to vent to a captive audience. Granny White leads off with a dollop of her usual Debbie Downer discourse. Gramps is dead, she announces. Gran, Pappy died in 1999, Aunt Lucy reminds her. Jenny jumps in and announces she has a new ex-boyfriend, which leads to Jake's mom's take on relationships, failure to launch for my mother-in-law. Aunt Lucy butts in before Annie White has a chance to take her diatribe any further. We are privy to the news that Lucy has a disintegrating disc, has finally scheduled her bunion surgery, and that Uncle Bart has a hernia. Annie White is not a woman to be outdone as a bearer of bad news. I have cataracts. I'm going blind, she blurts out, to which Jenny responds. Mom, cataract surgery is nothing. You can drive the next day. Annie shoots Jenny a dirty look. How dare her daughter diminish her moment in the health shock spotlight. There's a lull in the conversation. They all look at me. Granny breaks the silence. Is Jake all right? He looks so thin, she says. He's great, running three miles a day. And I got a promotion, I say. Lucy lifts her penciled in eyebrows and gives me one of those looks. Really? How did you get a promotion? She wants to know. I tell her I landed a new major account and my boss rewarded me. Lucy gets her snarly face on. Did he? She says, giving me a wink-wink loaded with inference. He is a she, I answer. (laughs) Lucy licked up that bit of news and didn't like the flavor. Excuse me, I say. I need to check on the coffee. I march out of the room, Jake follows me into the kitchen, when is your weird family going to leave? I hiss. Well, they've polished off the beer and wine, says Jake, sounding optimistic, Then it happened. Seems like a field mouse decided to come to the Christmas party uninvited, a blood curdling scream comes from the great room, followed by Aunt Lucy ripping through the kitchen like her pants were on fire. Mice, there's mice in here, she shrieks. Lucy is terrified A mice. The other white women are quick to follow, calling after the men as they make a beeline for the coat closet. It was the quickest clear out of a white Christmas ever. Jake and I watched the cars roar out of the driveway and down the road, then we looked at each other and started laughing. (laughs) Crazy laughing until your sides hurt. You know, honey, Jake says, my family might have a few screws loose, but a white Christmas has its moments to remember. I had to agree. It's not every day a Christmas mouse can clear the house. day was a disaster. But the night got better. Jake uncorked a lovely bottle of Mouton Cadet he'd stashed away and we cozied up to the fire and had our own white christmas and it was
0: memorable. She stands
1: for better or for worse you do marry a family. But I was lucky. I got the one and only right white. And for that, it's all been worth the crazy
0: ride. She exits. Blackout. I'd like to get some context about the piece from our playwright, Vivian. Vivian, we chose these plays specifically for our holiday episode because you had submitted them um, with a series of holiday plays. And my question is, what inspired you to write a holiday series?
4: Well, a few things. Uh, you know, there's the, the same uh, circuit of plays go round and round every year. And audiences really don't get you know a wide variety of choices in terms of what kind of shows they want to see that they haven't seen before, and I think uh, you know a lot of shows are more oriented towards the children, and so I kind of thought, well, you know we tend to romanticize holidays, but you know in in truth, if we really take out our wild uh, wide angle lens you know, we we see a lot of uh, foibles, (laughs) you know, family foibles over the holidays. And, you know, so basically what I was attempting to do is kind of explore the holiday experience and the aftermath through a a wider angle uh, camera lens and, you know, attempt to capture both the unforgiving and the unforgettable moments of the season in a comedic, but sometimes poignant way.
0: Oh, absolutely! I think you've you've done that quite beautifully with these pieces. Now, do you think that, um, looking in a wider lens, as you say, do you think that women are more affected by the holidays than men?
4: Well, I think that women uh, possibly emote their feelings more than men, and so we could probably say we're we're really not sure. <laughs> What uh, they're feeling because they they're a little bit better at you know not wearing their heart on their sleeve so much. We we tend to be more reminiscent and emotional on the outside in any event, and you know it's for that reason that I think that a woman's voice in a script can add a lot of subtext and. and you know, texture to a play overall.
0: Oh, I completely agree with you. Um, and White Christmas is solely in a woman's voice. Now, when do you feel that the the one-person play works
4: best? Well, as you uh, had mentioned earlier, this, you know, White Christmas and Say Cheese both come from Life After Christmas, which is a collection of six short plays, and so they all... They encompass, you know, an entire evening of entertainment. And so, in terms of, um, you know, what goes where or, you know, whatever, they all kind of congeal together and form kind of a unified voice explores the same subject material and the same theme.
0: Yes, I compl- I wish we could have done all of those plays. Um, now, how, <laughs> how, having written this series, how do you feel that all of these plays reflect you as a writer and a woman, if at all?
4: Well, I think they don't necessarily reflect me in isolation. Uh, you know, I always try to go for kind of the universal human experience. And I think, you know, the voice of the writer should reflect that. And, of course, you know, it's it's our own personal experience as women and and writers that, you know, interjects perhaps some of our own humor or our own personality, but certainly our own experience. And one of the things that I attempt to do in my writing is I love playing with language syntax and I you know, I love capturing different parts of the USA and you know how they are their customs their language and I have a whole lot of fun with that <laughs>
0: Well we definitely had a lot of fun reading them, and thank you so much for for um, submitting them so that we could incorporate them into our holiday episode. And thank you so much for taking the time to sit with me for this interview today. Thank you so much, Vivian. you have a wonderful day.
4: You too, Wendy.
0: thanks to our director for today's episode Sarah Chichester Chris Gillard our sound designer Theo Tasker our composer our actors, Jennifer Dorr White and Arthur Harold, and especially to Vivian Lerman for her fantastic plays.
1: For more information about Lady Plays and to find out how to get involved, please head to greenroomblog.com and click on the Lady Plays podcast tab, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also find both me and Lindy on Twitter at, at
0: Kate O'Felan and at Literary Lindy. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Lady Plays in iTunes or your podcast app so you never miss an episode. And happy Happy holidays. holidays.